0: Welcome back to the Toastmasters segment of the Perspective Maintenance Podcast. I'm so glad to be able to share my Toastmasters journey with you. Last week, I gave my second speech and the goal of the speech is to learn how to write a speech with purpose. Now they say a specific purpose can be expressed as a one sentence statement about what you hope to accomplish in your speech. The statement should be worded from the audience viewpoint, Clarify exactly what you want the audience to be able to do when you finish your presentation. Precisely worded so that you and anyone else who reads your speech will have no doubt about your viewpoint and your specific purpose must be realistic and possible to achieve. So they gave us three different questions to think about when we were writing this speech. The first one is, what is the most important thing I want to say? The second being, why does it matter to my audience? And the third being, what do I want people to hold in their hearts and minds long after my speech? And they provide four different kinds of speeches. The first one being to inform, the second to persuade, the third to entertain, and the fourth to inspire. So without any delay, this is the second speech that I am giving at Toastmasters. Stick around after the speech is done and I will give you the feedback that I received from my evaluator. So as I'm learning on where I can improve, you could also take notes and maybe work on it yourself. If you notice that you struggle with the same thing. Good evening, fellow Toastmasters, and welcome to both returning guests. It's so great to have you both here. Today, we are talking about having a speech with a purpose. And the purpose of the speech is to address how overstimulated we are in our modern lifestyle and how damaging that actually is to our nervous system. And I'd like to come up with a solution to counteract it. We're going to discuss how we enjoy stimulation what happens when we're overly stimulated and how we can live a life of adequate stimulation. When I was a child, my mom would on purpose take me to run errands with her where she knew that there was waiting that had to be done. Now, you might be asking yourself, why would my mother enjoy torturing her child like that? And it is because she understood the value of stillness. Stillness since the beginning of time, has always been a part of a person's day. It would not be unusual for a person to have large amount of times of quiet or self-reflection before. And it's so different now in our modern busy life. Stillness is not quite a thing as much anymore. The opposite of stillness is being stimulated. And sadly, the hormones that our bodies produce when we are stimulated is somewhat more enjoyable than the hormones that our bodies produce when we are still. And this is where a really fun fact actually comes into play. There's a lot of conversations about extroverts and introverts, and there are a lot of talk of what makes an extrovert an extrovert and an introvert an introvert, and they've actually done some scientific studies. The, for an extrovert, there are receptors in an extrovert's brain that are less easily stimulated. So there requires a lot more stimulation in order for the brain to receive that signal. And that's why they love being with people. They love being in loud and more interactive places. Introverts, on the other hand, the receptors in their brain, especially to dopamine, is a lot more sensitive. And so what happens is they are more easily satisfied and reach that threshold And therefore, they don't want to be overly stimulated. They may want to withdraw from environments to be by themselves until they're able to return to a baseline. So whether it's with dopamine or Oxycontin or caffeine, which is actually a poison, but that's for another speech altogether, we love being stimulated. But what happens when we're overly stimulated? I was once a younger and much more stupid male. And one of the summers in my late, early 20s, I decided to visit my friend who went to work for his uncle in Louisville, Kentucky. And it was a 10-hour drive there and a 10-hour drive back. On my way back to Toronto, I had decided to drive overnight because it would be easier, quieter, less traffic, and hopefully less police officers. And to date myself a little bit, this was during the time before there was a law introduced where if you drove over 50 kilometers an hour from the speed limit, you would have your car impounded. So younger me decided to drive back for the 10-hour trip on average around 160 to 180 kilometers an hour because I could. And I drove it for the majority of the way until one of my tires decided that it was, had enough of stimulation. It actually had overstimulation and it decided to pop. This is actually very similar to our nervous system. Our nervous system enjoys stimulation, and it's a good thing. That's why having a little bit of coffee or chocolate is good for us because the stimulation keeps us going. And what happens though is when we are overstimulated, our body actually gets into a place where it is in flight or flight mode and consistently, perpetually, And it confuses our mind and our body because we actually don't have danger around us, yet we feel overly stimulated. No wonder we have people who suffer from insomnia. No wonder we have people who are day-to-day walking around with a lot of fatigue. Our body is using all of the energy to respond to the stimulus versus using the energy to heal ourselves. Now that we've talked about why we enjoy and stimulation so much and what happens when we are overly stimulated. I love to conclude by talking about how we can live a more adequately stimulated life. Now, think about this for a little bit. What parts of your day can you not avoid stimulus? Most of you in your mind right now are thinking about work is usually the nine to five. Well, every action requires an equal and opposite reaction to balance it out. Emily and I both gave very traditional formulas today, scientific formulas. And so if we spend eight hours sleeping and eight hours working, it balances itself out, which is wonderful. But we have eight more hours left of the day. How can we balance that out? Let's split it into two. It means that we need to book four hours of stillness into our day if we want to live this adequately stimulated life. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Can the first hour after we wake up and the last hour of our day before we are able to go to bed, can that be spent with an absence of stimulation? Can we enjoy our meals without watching something on our phone? Can we speak to another person without added distraction? Can we help our bodies relax when we are showering or bathing and take time to ourselves? Can we sit in silence when we are driving to and from work because there's already enough stimulation around us, let alone maybe music or other things to get us even more ramped up? Now, I know a few of you think that I'm crazy for asking these questions, but it's important. What can you do to incorporate this kind of balance into your life? Because if you do, I promise you, you will sleep better, you'll be less tired, you will be less irritable, you will have more energy to be fit, do the things that you love to do, you will be more creative, you will have better decision-making skills, and overall be a better human because your nervous system is more happy. So, in conclusion, I would really like to see if you can do a stimulus audit. And I hope you feel inspired to do one. Take a piece of paper, draw the line, and have one side be stimulus and one side be stillness. Look at the past week. How many hours have you done things that are stimulating and how many hours have you done things that are requiring stillness? And if it can balance out over time, then it means that you can live a life more and more balanced. And my desire is for you to live a life that is aligned with you and your nervous system so you can go out there and really be your best self. Thank you so much. So what I did not mention was that this was a part of a virtual meeting. We do an in-person meeting every other week, and then the subsequent weeks we do a virtual meeting. So the speech feeling might have been different because I didn't have the same in-person energy that we would have at an in-person meeting, which is totally okay. Lately, I have been learning how to listen to my intuition more. And just like preparing for the podcast, there are times where I've had to re-record an episode four or five times because it just didn't feel right. And so for that week's speech, I had originally written a completely different speech but something wasn't feeling right and I had to listen to my intuition. So I wrote that speech last minute, basically the day of and practiced it a couple of times. And I really enjoy the feeling of it being more smooth because it was a speech that I felt like was more attuned to where I was at that moment. And at the same time though, I could tell that I wasn't as well versed because it was a newer speech and I didn't have as much time to prepare. So I guess it's kind of a little bit of a double-edged sword. The feedback overall that I received, of course, there was the positive ones, which I won't feel like I need to say too much of. Where they mentioned that I could really work on, once again, was my pacing. I tend to be a fast speaker, and likely it's because I'm trying to cram a lot of things into the speech. The speech did go over time, which is not great. So I definitely need to cut down on my material. When I cut down on material, then I can have more pauses. So for example, they said that they really enjoyed how I asked questions at the very end. But it would be that much more impactful if I had paused a little bit after each question to give people a little bit of thinking time. Similarly, pacing throughout the speech was a little bit quick. And if I were to be able to slow down, another thing that I would be able to work on is vocal variation. So it's something that I'm still figuring out how to really do because I think I have a decent amount of it, (laughs) but in reality, possibly because of podcasting and how we speak into a microphone consistently, I may not have the level of vocal variation that I think that I do. And just to spice it up a little bit and give people some more things to listen to, I can work on my vocal variation. And the last thing was that. I had a great transition to conclude, but I said in conclusion, basically twice. (laughs) So it negated my great transition to the ending. And this is why I really am enjoying my Toastmasters journey. There are so many things to think about, so many aspects of public speaking to consider. And it's kind of like when we first do something in the very first time, for example, driving. My very, very first time driving stick, I felt so overwhelmed. There were so many different things to keep in mind of then certain things became autopilot. And I think public speaking is the same thing. When we do things enough, just like public speaking or anything else, certain things will become autopilot. And for me, let's say gestures or eye contact, these things have become autopilot. But some of the things I need to work on, I'm hoping that as I continue, they will become more autopilot so that I can work on these other things and really fine tune my speaking. I hope you all had a really good week and I can't wait. I signed up for my next speech to be around mid-September, so I can't wait to share that with you. Bye for now.